Why don't you give Brent Douglas from Encounter in Auckland a great welcome. Well, good morning. Let's uh, be seated. What a great joy and uh, honour and privilege to be here today. I, uh, I'd have to say uh, that there are very few churches on a Sunday morning that I would rather be in than my own church. And uh, I just love to be here. And I reckon I've got equal joy to be here than if I was an encounter this morning. Just the attitude, the spirit. You know, there are very few churches that actually worship God with the intent of wanting the very manifest presence of God. And this is one of them. And I just wonderfully commend you for the atmosphere here. Wow, just, just awesome. And, uh, you know, I just so love Pastor Mike and Joy. And uh, indeed, I, I've known them um, for probably over 30 years, really. And uh, we have, I think if we were to add up the moves of the Holy Ghost that New Zealand has seen over 150-odd years, we've probably together seen a good majority of those <laughs> moves, I reckon. And uh, probably in, um, together, we've probably cast, if we add Bill Sabrisky, my friend, to it, we've probably cast more demons out of believers and other people in New Zealand than, um, than anyone else in total. So we've seen great moves of deliverance. We've seen great moves of drunkenness of the Holy Ghost. We've seen great moves of the glory of God coming. And uh, what a joy to be a part of that. I, uh, before I do anything today, I just want to uh, pass my apologies from my wife who can't be here today. We just, uh, like every church at this time of year, it's very busy. But I know that she would want to stand with me this morning and speak our thanks to you as a church. Many of you know that uh, at the end or at the beginning of this year, uh, I had to have an emergency heart operation. I had a condition called congenital hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. In very simple terms, the thickening of the heart wall internally. And I needed, it had come of age, I needed to have an emergency operation where they went in from the top of my heart and shaved back the thickened wall. They do an operation called a myectomy and it's one of the most dangerous heart operations that you can have and it's a very rare operation. And though the operation itself was a success, what happened was um, it didn't actually solve all the problems and so I was dying. And they took me into an emergency surgery where I had a mitral valve, mechanical mitral valve put in and I didn't recover from that either. And uh, through prayer and intercession, I recovered. And I know that today I'm standing here because of a number of factors, but primarily I'm standing here today because of the prayers of the saints. I was absolutely amazed at how the Holy Spirit stirred the hearts and lives of people all around the world to pray for me. People who had never had this happen before, they said to me, Brent, for three days and three nights, I wasn't able to go to bed, I wasn't able to sleep. I, if I tried to go to sleep, the Holy Spirit woke me up and said, you pray for Brent Douglas. And I had story after story. I traveled around the country after the operation, and I had people in tears thankful to see me alive. And uh, I was also so incredibly thankful because there was only one person that I wanted to see or allow or my wife would allow into the, um, into the emergency recovery area. 
and to minister to me and pray for me, and it was Pastor Mike and Joy. And uh, I am deeply grateful for them coming to see me at that time and praying for me and standing between heaven and hell as they came against demonic spirits of death that were seeking to take my life out. Do you know, for me, to die is gain. And really it didn't matter whether I died because I was going to go to be with the Lord. But there were people around New Zealand and people like Pastor Mike and Joy and many of you in this church here today that waged a war in the spirit. And I discovered something I had never understood before. In fact, I discovered a number of things. I discovered the power of intercession. Now, I've been a pastor for 27-odd years, but I never understood how powerful intercession can be. And as I said, I believe it was your prayers, the prayers of others around New Zealand and the nations that actually kept my human spirit in my body. And for that, I am so thankful. I learned something else that was quite stunning to me. I learned the fact that I was loved by people. Now, that may seem a strange thing to say, but, you know, I do, as, as I know Pastor Mike does, you do what you do because you love people and you love his church and you love what God is doing and you don't do it for personal reward or adulation or image or anything like that. You just do it because you love what God's doing. And you never actually think about the fact, do people love me? You just do it because you love them. And what absolutely amazed me was the fact that people came up to me with tears in their eyes and demonstrated a love toward me. And for probably the first time in my life, I understood the love of God through the body of Christ. And for that, I am so thankful. I learned the fact that uh, what you sow in your spirit will come forth at times of crucial life experiences. You know, when you are under the drugs that I was under and you are close to death, and I knew I was dying, although the, every time I asked my wife or the nurses, I said, has the operation been a success? And they kept lying to me by saying yes, but I knew it wasn't true. And I knew I was close. But you know, what I had sowed in my life and have always done is revival. God, give us revival for our nation of New Zealand. And I've done everything I can in my life to go to churches and travel through New Zealand and see the move of God happen and see revival hit the nation. And through that time, while I couldn't pray, a song kept coming up out of my spirit by one of the most, what I think is the anointed worship leaders in the world today, a lady by the name of Karen Wheaton. And she did it, does a song about let the fire fall and let revival come. And the first lines of that song, hour after hour and day after day, just kept playing and replaying in my spirit as my spirit was expressing my life message. And that was powerful. The other thing that I learned through that period of time is how clear uh, your destiny becomes. I suddenly knew, and I don't know how it happened, except I think the Spirit of God can get to you without anything hindering the passageway to your heart, the message that he wants you to live. And it was like I could see as clear as I'm looking at you today the next 25 years of my ministry. And I just knew exactly what I needed to do. I knew how I needed to do it. 
I knew where the focus needed to come. I knew some things that I needed to shut down and, and one of those was um, so much travel overseas and I'm gradually closing that down and some of it God's closing down for me in some very unfortunate ways. But the reality is I knew what 25 years needs to happen. That's going to take me to the age of uh, 80 and uh, I reckon around about 80 I'll start looking at doing a few other things. But uh, next 25 years, look out, here I come. And uh, I, uh, I didn't realize how debilitated I'd become, but it's like a switch has got turned on. My staff are running around now like fleas in a fit because I'm demanding accountability and demanding that they actually do something. And uh, I got more vision than I've had for probably a decade. I got more energy than I've had for probably a decade. I'm fitter than what I've been. I'm even losing a little bit of weight. But I tell you, I got passion. I've got enthusiasm. I've got a vision like I haven't had. And so here we are today. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, it's just a great church and a great place to be. I want to share something that Pastor Mike and the leadership asked me to share. I, I felt to come down a few weeks ago and just meet with Pastor Mike and Joy, and I end up meeting up with the leaders. And I shared some things with them that they have requested that I share with you today. You know, I believe that our nation is in a very unique time. And we are seeing unprecedented moves of the glory of God like we have not seen in our lifetime. And uh, I've been in a lot of these meetings, people having third heaven experiences, people who are experiencing things like the gold dust, feathers, oil, diamonds appearing in meetings, on top of which people are going in the spirit and they're seeing angels and they're seeing all sorts of stuff. Of course, none of that is new, you know. I was sitting, I think it was right about there, when Jill Austin was here, and at 11 o'clock or thereabouts at night, people went into open-eyed vision. And back in those days, you had a rope hanging down there and a rope hanging down there. And in open-eyed visions, they said, oh, there are the angels dancing on the ropes. Now, of course, in my stunted spiritual life, all I could see was ropes. <laughs> but the thing that I did see, I saw those ropes violently shake under the weight and the movement of the dancing angels. So a lot of this stuff is not particularly new. What is new is the, um, the amount, the quantity of experiences that people are having in the spirit. In actual fact, some of the stuff that you're hearing about people uh, praying and God taking them in the spirit and taking them into heaven. My uncle-in-law at 8.30 every night in the 70s and 80s would start to pray and from 8.30 at, at night till 2.30 in the morning would literally be taken into heaven and he would see things and experiencing things in the spirit. Now I believe he was a foretaste to what now people are commonly experiencing in the church and in conferences. And at times he would have Jesus himself physically appear to him in his orchard and talk to him. 
The difference today is the frequency and the amount that these things are happening. I haven't seen, um, like it now, the number of miracles that we are seeing as commonplace in our nation today. People getting supernaturally healed of all sorts of diseases and sicknesses and people going out on the streets and they're praying for the sick and great miracles are unlocking. I was talking to a friend of mine, Matt I, Pastor Matt I Bennett in Kawarau, and they just had the Easter Melody Band um, there about a couple of Saturday nights ago and they were doing an outreach and they saw a person, a, a, um, a teenager who was in a wheelchair. And like happens down there, anyone that they can find that's got any form of pain, sickness, disease, or whatever, they just go to and they say, can we pray for you? And they prayed for this young person, and the young person was totally healed, got out of their wheelchair, walking under the glory and power of God. Hallelujah. And these things are happening in unprecedented numbers, but they've always happened, you know. I, I was privileged back in the 70s to attend the, the crusades that they had at the Alexander Park Raceway, and Ray Mossholder was there ministering and I decided to go and have a look at the part where the people who needed healing wanted healing. And before my very eyes, I saw this event take place where a woman who, as a child, I think that either had polio or some other disease, but now they had no eyebrows, they had no eyelashes, and Ray Mossholder prayed for them. And over the next 20 minutes, I watched as that woman grew new eyebrows and new eyelashes till they had a full set of eyebrows and eyelashes, and I was stunned. But the difference today is the numbers of miracles, the frequency of miracles, how accessible for any one of us in this auditorium today can actually access that realm and pray for people and see things happen and see miracles unlock. It's been my privilege over 30 or 40 years of Christianity to be a part of some of the greatest moves of God that have ever come upon the face of the earth. I was there in the charismatic movement. That's when I got born again, as many of you did. I was there under the teaching movement and would sit in meetings where these great men would stand up and they would teach the Word of God and you would be utterly stunned as the revelation would flow forth. And of course, the Toronto Blessing came to us in 1993 and along with Pastor Mike and Joy, I became one of the leading ministries to release that blessing through New Zealand and other places. I was there in the prophetic movement and I was one of the main speakers at the conferences that they would have where they would, uh, they'd had the school of the prophets. I spoke in their school for two weeks every time they had it. And I watched as that movement grew to a pinnacle and then deception came in and that movement just dissipated because of all sorts of wrong stuff. I had in my very pulpit a man by the name of Ed Delph who was there with uh, Wagner and the Fuller people when they first coined the phrase, the Apostolic Reformation. And so I was there as we were starting to talk about apostles and how um, the role of apostles and starting to recognize apostles while others were thinking whether they even still recognize pastors, you know. And then unfolding before our very eyes is what I want to coin the glory movement. But you know, as I saw all of these things, I saw each one of them do tremendous things in the church and 
in our own lives, but I similarly saw how they failed to take us into the expected revival that we were anticipating would come to our nation. We failed to see what God was doing to bring effective community transformation. And actually fact, in actual fact, we failed to see the potential that God wanted so that he would build from the charismatic movement to the Toronto blessing to the prophetic movement to the glory movement and build one movement upon another so that what would happen is there would be such an outpouring of the Holy Ghost and such a dimension of the Spirit of God that it couldn't but help overflow into our community and change the seven pillars or the seven mountains of society, education, science and government and so forth. And it's failed to do that. And the reality is, and my concern and my message today is that I see the same mistake that was made in all of those movements being made in the church today concerning the glory movement. And I am deeply troubled in my heart and have sought the Lord about this to try and unlock the great danger that we're in. I believe that as the church, we are on the verge of one of the most unprecedented outpourings of the Holy Ghost of revival to our nation. I can say it because I have seen all the other moves. I've been a part of it. But I can also see that the seeds of destruction are right upon us right now unless we act immediately. I want to describe some of the problems that I have seen over the years. And I want to show you how God, what God wants to do with this glory movement and how we must be very um, cautious as to what's happening. The problem with the charismatic movement was very simple. We taught that the sign that a person received the baptism of the Holy Spirit was speaking in tongues, which of course is unscriptural. Jesus said that you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit came upon you. And so instead of going for the thing that Jesus spoke, for power so that we might be witnesses and take that power into our community, we went for tongues. And so by, once we got tongues, we said, hallelujah, you've got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, when in reality you didn't have the baptism. What you had was speaking in tongues. You had a gift of the Holy Ghost. And what we did was instead of taking that supernatural power that we were meant to receive out into our community and let the river flow and let it touch the nations, what actually happened was we had self-indulgent meetings. And they were great meetings, you know. I loved them. Prophecy, singing in the Spirit, you know, people getting slain in the Holy Ghost, and, you know, you'd have all of that. They were wonderful things. But they were not what it was meant to be about. It was actually meant to be about a river going out into our community. And so that shut down, and... And of course, the Toronto blessing came. And how awesome that was. People getting drunk with the Holy Ghost. And listen, if anyone in the country was pro the Toronto blessing and laughing and the gold and the, the glory and all of that stuff, I was it. I loved it. You know, give me a meeting where I could pray for people and where supernatural power would come in and people would get smacked five rows over chairs and against walls and demons coming out. Man, I would be there. And I've been to blame for some of those things happening. And I loved it. But the problem was, what was meant to be a reformation and a revival to the church 
to empower it to go out into the community became a self-indulgent move. And so instead of people taking that move of the Spirit out into our community for community transformation, we self-indulged ourselves with all of those things. Well, the prophetic movement came. And of course, that became incredibly self-indulgent. And, and I, to my shame today, still remember how I participated in the concept, you pay your conference fee, you come to the conference, and you will be guaranteed a three-minute prophecy. <laughs> oh, dear God. <laughs> and the problem was that, a little bit like Pastor Mike, you know, once I got on, on a person, I started to discern demons and words of knowledge about their past, and there's no way I was going to be able to give a three-minute prophecy over somebody. I mean, I would start getting, getting stuck in and say, man, when you were 15 years of age, you got raped and this happened and that happened and, man, you got this demon around you and, you know, 15 minutes later, they sent a runner-up and said, Brent, you're only meant to be um, spending three minutes per person and I'm thinking to myself, how can you spend three minutes? This is the Holy Ghost wanting to transform a life and I got to spend three minutes, you know. <laughs> Hilarious, what deception. And the prophetic movement that was meant to actually become a river out into our community became a self-indulgent thing where people would come to these conferences because they wanted a prophecy from the prophet. I ended up getting so many prophecies. I said, Lord, I've had enough. Please, no more personal prophecy over my life. And I'd be in meetings, and I've done that even recently where prophets have been in meetings and I've been sitting up the front and I've been pleading, God, don't let them prophesy over me. I had enough. And it's only recently I've repented of that. <laughs> but it all became about us. And now here we are on the precipice of one of the greatest revivals and greatest moves of God that we've ever seen. The capacity and the ability to access third heaven experiences. And it's all become and becoming about us. And so people are going to meetings and they are looking around at their hands and saying, oh, oh, look, there's a speck of gold dust. And they say, oh, I've found a jewel. And oh, I've seen a feather. Oh, I can... I've got oil on my hands. And all of these things are good things. I don't criticize any of those things except that's what they're going for. And the problem is people are going for the fruit. They're going for the, the, the side issue rather than going for the real thing. Because actually what Jesus wants are a people that have such a relationship with Jesus Christ that they are able to access the revelatory realm of third heaven and draw that realm around them and then take that like Jesus said, what is in heaven, bring it down to earth. And God has taught us how we can enter into heaven and grab hold of those resources. But instead of bringing those resources and bringing society transformation, we're having glory meetings. And the very problem that happened in the charismatic movement and the prophetic movement and the Toronto blessing is being replicated right now. And I am deeply stirred and deeply grieved that we are failing to understand the reason that you are having those experiences is because he is teaching you how to access heaven, to bring heaven to earth, 
to change our nation. I want you in your Bibles, if you would, to turn to Ezekiel chapter 33. As I was so concerned about this, I felt the Lord begin to speak to me three things that he's doing today, which I quickly want to just unfold to you. Three things that I believe are absolutely crucial for the season that we're in, Ezekiel 33, verse 18. Then Moses said, I pray thee, show me thy glory. That is the prayer that people are asking in conferences all over New Zealand and all over the world, and God is letting them see some things. Exodus 33, what did I say? Ezekiel, oh well, same thing nearly, only about a thousand pages difference. <laughs> Exodus 33, Moses said, I pray thee, show me thy glory. Now, I want you to see something this morning, how God answered the prayer of wanting to see the glory. You see, when we ask that prayer, Lord, show us your glory in this conference or this meeting, we're expecting to see some gold dust or some jewels or some feathers. We're expecting to see some angels or some open-eyed vision to occur we're expecting some supernatural event, all of which I'm not against, but let me show you what I think was God's answer to that prayer. And God said it this way. And he said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. God's answer was this. You want to see my glory? I'll show you my glory. It's in my character. It's in who I am. What I actually want to reveal to you is my very nature, personality, who I am. So the first things he says, well, here's the answer. The first thing is, I'll show you my goodness. I'll show you that I'm a good God. That, that what I do is for your best. I, that goodness is a value that I live by. He says, he goes on to say that I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And anyone with any understanding of the name of God will understand that the name represents the character. So by him showing and proclaiming his name to Moses was in effect saying, I will expose to you who I am. The very depth of my personality, my nature, my character, the drives and the passions and the attitudes that I, God, carry. Moses, I will expose that to you. And then he continues to say that I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. In effect, he's saying, I will show you that I'm a compassionate God, I'm a gracious God, I'm a loving God, I want to have intimacy with people. In effect, what he is saying in this passage is this, my glory is found in intimacy with me. Where you come to know who I really am. Where you come to know what my heartbeat really is. Eh? And I believe the real intent 
behind coming to know the glory of God is actually about Christians coming into a level of intimacy with Jesus Christ unprecedented in the history of the church since the early church. I'm absolutely convinced the glory movement is about accessing a level of the presence of God and the glory of God to enable you and I to have the very thing that we so desire in our hearts, that, that is to know Him, to know Him with intimacy, for to be a true friend and a lover of God and for God to love us and for us to experience that. I believe this glory movement is about us coming into intimacy with Christ, about the church becoming the body of Christ, that when a person walks through that door, they're not walking through that door meeting division, meeting self-importance, meeting self-reputation and image and attitudes of how wonderful we are, but when they walk through that door, they meet Jesus Christ in a body of people that have come to such intimacy and such a unity with him that they are woo. That's what I think the glory movement's about. I believe it's about us coming to such a place of intimacy with God that it automatically means we have intimacy with one another. I believe it's a little bit like when a marriage is consummated and the most intimate moment is that physical union in that marriage. At that point in time, your spirit is open to one another. Your soul is open to one another. Your, your physical body is open to one another. And there's such connection and such intimacy. And I believe that's exactly as Christ wants to be to his church. He wants the church to be the true bride of Christ with such intimate connection with him and with one another that when people walk in here, they walk into a place of holy union with Jesus. for us to actually be the true body of Christ that we have so yearned for. And I believe what God was showing to Moses, and it rings down through the generations and the centuries to us today, is I'm showing you my glory. I'm answering that prayer. That prayer's been prayed for centuries, but right now I'm answering that prayer. But do you understand that the answer to that prayer is not some gold dust, it's not some third heaven experience. They are just natural results of an intimacy with God. But instead of going for the intimacy, which was the true focus, what we've been going for are the, the subsequent experiences like we did in the charismatic movement. Instead of going for the power, we went for the tongues in the prophetic movement. Instead of going for the power of revelation to transform a community, we went for personal prophecy. And the glory movement is going for all of these, ex, these superficial things, these wonderful things they are, these wonderful miracles, these wonderful glory experiences. But they're all but a byproduct of an intimacy with Christ. And Jesus is actually wanting the church to come into this place of such intimacy with him that a life flow begins to flow. And that life flow will actually see people going out and transforming the community that we're in. See, I don't want to go through another revival and another move of God and see it die because we went for the wrong thing. I, don't, I haven't got long enough for that. I, I've only got maybe 25 or 30 years of ministry left. 
I really want to see us understand the mistakes of the past. Oh, that we would stop focusing on the subsequent and wonderful experiences and go for intimacy. And it was all revealed to us there in Moses. The second thing that the Lord spoke to me, which I believe is, is actually directly related to that. And I, and I want you to turn with me to another passage in Matthew chapter 17. Because for me, closely aligned to that is the cry in the Spirit for a people who operate faith. And I want to relate the glory movement to faith this morning. But you know, at the moment, what's being birthed in our churches and through our, our Bible colleges and our training and our youth conferences, what's being birthed is image. What's being birthed is hype. What's being birthed is motivational leadership type teaching. But the only thing that actually pleases the heart of God is faith because the Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And we think that we can please God by doing all the things that we're doing. But the bottom line, when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, he will ask this question, what did you do with faith? That's the thing that pleases me. And God is looking for a people that have such faith in their hearts that they do not waver in the day of battle. They do not have fear when the demon is manifesting. They do not have terror when someone with cancer is coming and saying, will you pray for me? But something inside of them rises up and says, I will be a person of faith and I will believe God and I will stand my ground for a miracle today. But where are the ministries that are doing that today? We have this amazing story in Matthew here that is stunning. Matthew 17, it begins with one of the greatest glory conferences that there has ever been. This is a glory conference I really would have liked to have been in. Six days later, verse 1, Matthew 17, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, his brother, and brought them up to a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his garments became as white as light. Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him, and Peter answered and said, Lord, it is not good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll make three tabernacles here, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them. Behold, a voice came and said, This is my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased, listen to him. And when the disciples heard this, they fell on their face and they were much afraid. And so on. I mean, they missed the point, didn't they? They just, they totally missed it. They were having their glory conference. Far better than any glory conference that I've ever been in and I've ever seen. And all the stuff's happening, there's transfiguration, there's the appearance of great old prophets, there's voices coming down from heaven, there's this tremendous glory sense, changes the very um, physical appearance of the environment, and, uh, and, and Pete says, uh, shall we make some buildings for you? you know? <laughs> Let's start a building program. You know? 
without realizing that what this was about was that actually, Peter, James, and John, it's not you making a building, it's you becoming a building. That you actually become Christ in you, the hope of glory. That you become a river out of which flows a river out of your innermost being to go into the community, to transform the community. But they didn't understand that that experience was as much about them becoming what that experience was representing. They simply wanted to have the experience and they wanted to dwell on that experience. And they wanted to keep there. And see, that's been the problem. We've wanted to stay in the charismatic movement. I had a man come to me. He was a man that was a leading light in the charismatic movement. And he sat in my office recently, and he said to me, Brent, he said, I yearn for the days of the charismatic movement to come again. And I said to him, brother, I wouldn't want to go back to the days of the charismatic movement. What I've experienced since the charismatic movement has been far better than anything that I saw then. He wanted to dwell there. And today there are people who want to dwell in the glory conference and in the glory experiences. But actually it was meant to transform not only Jesus, but it was meant to transform Peter, James and John. And here's the problem. They come off this incredible glory experiencing. And I imagine what they're thinking is, oh man, we're the guys. You know, we've got the faith. We've had the experience. Man, there'll be nothing impossible for us now. We've been up there on the mountain with Jesus. We've seen Moses. We've seen Elijah. We've heard the voice of God. Man, we've gone into visions. We've had third heaven, third heaven experiences. Man, we've got everything now. Oh boy, we are great men of God. So Jesus, I'm sure behind the scenes, manipulates the place a little bit. And we come to it in verse 14. And when they came to a multitude, a man came to him, falling on his knees before them, saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's a lunatic. There's a few of those around. And is very ill. And he often falls into the fire, and he often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they couldn't cure him. And Jesus said, oh, that's all right. You know, I know it gets tough, and there's often some problems. You'll be okay, and... God bless you. This is what Jesus said. He said, you unbelieving and perverted generation. Now, if I said that to you, how many of you would say Brent Douglas is the rudest person we've ever had in our pulpit? How long shall I put up with you? How long shall I be with you? Bring him to me. Now, the disciples, of course, are now quite perturbed because... Jesus just gets hold of this kid and he casts the demon out. And it's very simple. And, and these disciples that had been in this glory conference and this wonderful experience, they come to Jesus and they say, why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said to him, because of the littleness of your faith. For truly I say to you that if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you'd say to this mountain, move from here and it would be moved and so on. And he goes on and he talks about that. But you see, the thing that we have got to understand out of that passage is just because you have a glory experience does not mean that you have faith to do miracles. 
your glory experience that you might have, the gold dust that you received in your hands, the jewels that you're carrying in your Bible, the feathers that may be manifest in a meeting, the oil that maybe you dripped off your hands into a bottle, or the third heaven um, open-eyed visions, or the angels you saw mean absolutely nothing if you cannot take that and transition that into a faith action to see miracles happen in our community. Friend, that experience amounts to nothing. And the problem is that Jesus said that faith is a measurable capacity. He said, because of the littleness of your faith. Now, if you actually was to do a little bit of a study on the book of Matthew, you would find that those who didn't know Christ in present terms were always commended for how much faith they had. But the ones who were meant to have great faith, which were the disciples, they were constantly judged by Christ by, by saying to them, you lack faith. You know what my fear is today? That if Jesus was come to the church and to Christians today, he would be saying, there's not a lot of faith. There's not a lot of ability to cast demons out. There's not a lot of ability to be able to access the resources of heaven to cast out a demon. There's not a lot of faith to activate the miraculous intervention of God. Oh, you're having great conferences. The glory of God is there. The music is wonderful. Man, it's just a tremendous experience. But where are the men and women of faith that can access and draw the reality of the kingdom of God that comes with power into our community to begin to transform people's lives and see our society changed? All the amount of transfiguration was, was a prophetic message that says, this is available to you, can be experienced by you, but it's meant to be taken into the community by a spirit of faith to transform our community. But the trouble is, like the charismatic movement, like the Toronto Blessing Movement, like the Prophetic Movement. It's all become self-indulgent. It's all become about us and what we can experience and how we can go into it without realizing they are just a, a process to enable you to see the capacity, the potential, to see what is available to you because I want you to go out into the community and bring miracles. So, so far, I felt the Lord speak to me two things, and I've got a third in a moment. Number one, that we're on the edge of a move of God with the glory move, but it's being focused incorrectly. And unless there is clear adjustment of that focus, once again, we will lose what God is wanting to happen through this experience. The second thing that I felt the Lord say to me is that out of that glory experience, it is actually meant to activate men and women and young people and children into a spirit of faith. And so he talks in Romans about each person has been allotted a measure of faith. And the issue is, what are you doing as a result of all of these experiences with your faith to see God's hand revealed in our community and our society? And I felt the Lord saying to me, you must call the church once again to be a people of faith. People who would believe God for the miraculous. 
the third and final thing that I felt the Lord speak to me. And really it's not so much the Lord speaking to me as the obvious, but it's linked to this. is a tremendous and wonderful prophetic life of Bill Johnson, Patricia King, and these people who are all saying the same thing. Take the glory. Take the healing. Take the faith and the miraculous out into the community. Minister to your community. And I will back you like has never happened in our lifetime. And out in the streets, in the highways and the byways, you will see miracles like you have never seen before. And through that, you will see people coming into the kingdom of God in unprecedented numbers. But you've got to get the pattern right. The glory is to create faith, and the, the faith is created to create a people who move in miraculous power that take that miraculous power as a river out into the community to see community transformation. I'm put to shame, you know. A few weeks ago, I had Matt I Bennett, Pastor Matt I, and his church come up to my church, and we had a great time. But the thing was, and this is a church basically of Maori people whom I love so deeply there and have got such an honor with them, it's wonderful. But I was put to shame because they, everywhere they went, and I took them to the Auckland fish market, then I talk, took them to Oram's boat stacking shed. I mean, they'd never seen such a thing. And I took them to other places, and they were constantly looking for people to pray for who didn't know Christ. And we got to Oram's boat stacking boat shed, and, and there was a manager there, and he had his thumb in a sling, and that was just exactly what they were looking for. I mean, they were happy people. And they went up to him, and they said, Sir, what's the matter with your thumb? And it was broken or something like that. And they said, Well, we'd like to pray for you for God to heal you. And five minutes later, I'm seeing that manager. He's, not, he's got no splint on his thumb. He's uh, bending his finger like this. He was healed by the power of God. When we walked out of that shed, he lifted up his hand, and he was still doing that with his finger. God did a miracle! And of course, the problem is that that realm of miracles is accessible to us like never before in the Christian history in our nation. I've seen bits of it. I've seen portions of it. But to see today how easy and how quick it is to pray for someone and who doesn't know Christ and see the power of God just come upon them and minister to them so powerfully. It is awesome. I'm so thankful for the whole concept of treasure hunts. Many of you will know about that. I'm so thankful for people like Matt I. Bennett and his Maori congregation are praying for people in wheelchairs and they're getting healed. I'm so thankful for Bill Johnson who has spoken about the need to take all of the stuff and take it into the community. And I stand here today with a plea upon my heart. And the plea is, 
let us together not replicate the mistake of the past of making all of these glory conferences self-indulgent. But my plea is church. God is giving to the Church of New Zealand an unprecedented opportunity to see revival come to New Zealand. We have never, that I know of, have had a national revival in New Zealand. All I know about a man called Alan Thrift who went around the East Cape and had revival through the Marais in the 60s, 50s and 60s. I know about the outbreaks of revival that have happened. I even was a participator in a revival in Timaru where we started with 60 people and, and, and for four nights a week, for five months in a row, we ended up with 500 people coming to those meetings and it got on TV, it got on the New Zealand Truth and it was known all over the nation as the miracle center of New Zealand. That's how it was advertised by the media. But these have just been pockets. And I believe that we have an opportunity today to move from where we're at at the moment and say, well, we could actually take this and change our society. We could actually take this and instead of talking about changing our high schools, we could actually do that because there's a power, there's a glory, there's an accessibleness into the glory of God and the, heavens, the heavenly realms that is accessible to us. We could do it if we could just get it right this time. My cry and my plea today is, church, let's get it right this time. Let's get it right. And let's actually see our nation transformed because of the glory of God that we are experiencing. Let's stand. Father, this morning as we stand here, we are so privileged and so honored to be in this time of history where, Lord, miracles are happening like we've not seen before, where the glory of God is being revealed like we've not known before, where, Lord, in unprecedented numbers, miracles are happening, experiences of the supernatural are happening, all to confirm the fact that Jesus Christ is alive and well and doing miracles in people's lives and changing lives, all affirming Jesus. Today, you live in our lives and you live for our nation and that you live to change our environment. Lord, I thank you that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now dwells in us. And today, we stand here with hearts of humility and thankfulness that you have allowed us a glimpse of the potential that can happen with a people that are prepared to access the heavens. Jesus, I pray that something of what I've shared today would help in the process of this church and churches within our nation to truly come to revival and see our nation changed. Father, I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you.
for your word and season to us. Just ask, Lord, for an increasing revelation of who you are. The hindrances and barriers would be broken. And Lord, as we encounter you over and over and over again, there'd be a river flowing to our community. Father, we thank you for one another in the house of God today. Thank you for one another in this family. For the richness of your inheritance within us. May it overflow. May we discover who you are, who we are, what we have to give. Church, just as we finish, I think I'd love you to do one more thing. That is just to pray with the person next to you for an increasing revelation of the glory of God and for the overflow of that to all their area of influence. Let's pray for one another and stand. Let's agree together. You can't pray for someone in the house of God. There's not much chance you pray for someone out in the community. Pray for them. Ask God to touch them with His love. Bring increasing revelation their identity and call. Speak prophetically if you have a word for them. Praise the Lord. Why don't you make a decision now? You'll come back tonight. God, Brent will be ministering again tonight. He'll also be praying for people. Why don't we come back tonight and just open our hearts to the things that uh, God has put on His heart to share with us? Be a tremendous time tonight. Bring along some friends. And uh, we want to sow a generous offering and, and bless this apostolic ministry that's in our midst tonight. God bless you. Have a fantastic day. We'll see you back here tonight.